This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Saturday, it's the 23rd of September, 2023. I'm Stephen Scott, Sean Priest is with me, and this is The Express, where we take a look back at another busy week. You're listening to Double Tap Express, your weekly roundup of what's happening on Double Tap this week. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest, how are you today? Gorgeous, thank you, sir. What a week! What a it week been it's been! So busy, isn't it? Oh, we've had doctors, we've had lords, we've had events, <laughs> Microsoft, we've had AI, we've got surfaces, we've got pops, we've got everything. We've got pops? Yes. What's Amazon that? Pop. The Amazon Pop. Oh, the Echo Pop. Oh, I see. Well, we got. Well, yeah. I mean, come on. That's a bit of a. That's a bit of a weak one to pick out of. of well, frankly, what we've had this week, which is incredibly big news. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. Go on then. What would you pick as your best pick of the pops? I would say that you know, mentioning accessibility on stage, center stage at two major events this year. I think oh. that's pretty big. This week, actually, not this year. This week. Week. Okay. All right, very good. Yes, it's been an amazing week, got to say. September or Tech-tember. Mm, wow. Really you is. have those weeks where not much happens and then bang, everything. And yeah, so this week we had Amazon, we had Microsoft uh, showing off their new products. Interesting mix of products. Uh, we talked a lot about this on Thursday and Friday. Robin Christofferson, Lord Robin of all he surveys, uh, mm. joined us to discuss all of the announcements and uh, you can go back and listen to all of that but uh, yeah a lot to talk about this week Uh, shall we dive right in though with the headlines please I love the news yeah me too well standing in once again for Grace Scofield she's still ill (laughs) Uh, instead though we do have the man himself yes Mr F stepping in to the fray once more so here with the Double Tap News headlines, here's Mr. F. Thanks, guys. And we start with the news you guys have been talking about this week, mainly from Microsoft and Amazon. Starting with the computer giant, Microsoft unveiled three new Surface devices this week, along with details of the new Windows 11 update that will become available to everyone from September 26th. Starting with the hardware, it was the Surface Go Laptop 3 that got the upgrade it needed this year, with a processor bump up to last year's 12th gen i5 chips across the range. Plus, there's 8GB and 16GB RAM options and a maximum storage solution of 256GB solid-state hard drive in all configurations. It also has a 12.4-inch touchscreen. Prices start at $1,099 Canadian and is available from October 3rd. Next up was the Surface Laptop Studio 2, which is the company's top-end laptop product, most similar to the MacBook Pro in terms of power and functionality. The new version comes with configurations from 16GB RAM and 512GB storage, all the way up to 64GB with 2TB storage. The design remains similar to the first version, but the inclusion of a micro SD card slot rather than full SD card slot has left many baffled. The processor power has changed dramatically, though, thanks to the inclusion of new 13th-gen Intel chips. Prices start from 2699 Canadian and will arrive on October 3rd. One of the standout features of the new Surface Laptop Studio 2 is what Microsoft call their inclusive trackpad. Solomon Romney, who works in their inclusive design team and who is disabled himself, took to the stage to explain not just how it works, 
but also how it impacted him. I was born without fingers on my left hand, and that has caused me to use my right hand for double duty my entire life, and it's wearing out. I'm developing issues that most folks get later in life, arthritis, repetitive stress injuries, and a weaker grip. To rest my right hand, I need to move activities to the left. Mousing is a struggle. Touchpads don't respond to my left hand. As I move my hand across the touchpad, the cursor does not. This is a barrier. As a mobile professional, I can't carry an entire ergonomic setup with me everywhere I go. It forces me and others dealing with similar disabilities to just work through the pain. But for the first time ever, this new precision haptic touchpad makes it possible for people like me to use a laptop in the way that is most natural to us. I toggle on adaptive touch, and all of a sudden, it responds to my hand. I can even uh, resize the right-click region to turn the touchpad into a large two-button mouse. I cried the first time I got to use this. Because as a product maker, it showed me the amazing things we can do when we include the disability community. And as a member of that community, it was amazing to see myself reflected in the products that we make. Now, while all the reviews tell you there are only two new Surface devices that were launched, there was a mysterious third one. The Surface Go 10.5-inch tablet wasn't announced at the event itself, but at a follow-up press conference later. It's now enterprise-only, meaning you can only get one if you run a business. We shall watch this space with interest. On to software, and it was artificial intelligence that dominated what will become the future of Windows. Showing off their new Copilot features, they demonstrated how Bing and Copilot will exist across Windows 11 and across Microsoft 365 products. We believe Copilot will fundamentally transform our relationship with technology and usher in a new era of personal computing, the age of Copilots. Copilot will be available on the Windows 11 desktop, and with a single click, you can launch Copilot, and your AI companion is instantly available. Think about all those little things you love in Windows, like copy and paste, that have been saving people time for years. What if Copilot could take those things and make them even better? Now, you can copy, paste, and do. Here you see a long email. I'm trying to figure out the places around this venue that I can go visit while I'm here. As soon as I copy the text, Copilot appears and offers suggestions for what to do next. In seconds, all of this information is neatly organized. And it even tells me how far away each location is doing that research for me. But I only want to see the options that are less than a 10-minute walk away. And it does that, too, by translating from miles to minutes. Did you see that? I said I wanted to walk. And it knew that telling me how many minutes was a lot better than telling me how many miles. Another big update is coming to Outlook as the classic mail and calendar app will be dropped to make way for the new look mail app. Essentially, this will be the web version of the Outlook.com wrapped inside a web wrapper. Speaking on Friday's Double Tap, Robin Christofferson said he hoped it would be accessible to blind users. Think Teams, guys. Teams Mm. compared to a native app. And that's what we're talking about here, aren't we? We're talking HTML. We're talking 
you know, interacting, uh, forms mode or scan mode and all that kind of thing versus just solid focus, always in the place you intend it to be. It stays there. You can tab or F6 to different parts of the app. Oh, I'm not looking forward to it at all. Hopefully, we'll still be able to use the old Outlook and calendar, etc. So in summary, new hardware arrives October 3rd, and the big new update to Windows 11 will come on September 26th. Let's move on to Amazon. Another big tech event this week, amongst their announcements on Wednesday, was a brand new natural language model powering their smart assistant, Alexa, starting with a new, more conversational voice. Here's Rohit Prasad, Amazon's senior vice president and head scientist for artificial general intelligence, with a demo of the voice in 2014 compared with what's to come. I love the Starry Night by Vincent van Gogh. It depicts the view from his asylum room at St. Rémy de Provence just before sunrise, with the addition of an imaginary village. I like this painting because its vibrant use of colors captures a profound emotional intensity. But here's the preview of what's going to come early next year. I love the Starry Night by Vincent van Gogh. It depicts the view from his asylum room at St. Rémy de Provence just before sunrise, with the addition of an imaginary village. I like this painting because its vibrant use of colors captures a profound emotional intensity. Also on display was a new Echo Show 8 with upgraded interiors, new home screen experience, and spatial audio. During the keynote, Amazon put a big emphasis on accessibility with some new features and shared a great video about the A-Lady giving people a greater sense of independence by using just their voice. One of those new accessibility features announced was the addition of iGaze technology in their new FireMax 11 tablet. Here's Amazon's vice president of Alexa Global Business, Heather Zorn, on that and also their new call translation feature coming to U.S. customers soon. Alexa can't understand everyone's voice, and not all of our customers can use our touchscreens. Introducing iGaze on Alexa, our first foray to allow customers with mobility or speech disabilities to use Alexa with their eyes. iGaze on Alexa will be available later this year at no additional cost on our new FireMax 11 tablet. Next is one of my favorite kinds of features because it is a great example of how building inclusive technology can improve everyone's experience. Later this year, U.S. customers using any Echo Show device will be able to have their Alexa calls automatically translated through on-screen captions in over 10 languages, including English, French, Spanish, and Portuguese. And we're expanding call captioning to Europe for the first time. Like Microsoft this week, Amazon showed off its commitment to accessibility which it says is only possible thanks to the support and feedback from staff and customers who are disabled. Speaking on Access Tech Live Thursday, Alexa Country Manager for Canada, Celine Lee, told us more. It goes from um, stories that are really, um, really heartwarming, uh, customers who are cardioplegic and have shared how Alexa on Fire TV is a life-saving product because now they can independently watch TV without assistance from their family. Uh, definitely stories of uh, people using uh, our emergency alerts uh, or calling for um, an emergency situation, um, and that really saved their lives. And then we have 
different use cases that are also um, shared very often. Customers who are blind or low, have low vision and can use our Alexa show and tell feature to hold the household pantry item and uh, Alexa will tell them what it is. Um, and, you know, in, in Canada, we have also some uh, very unique partnerships. Uh, we've worked with uh, nonprofits, like, for instance, Connected Canadians, to work with um, seniors and older adults and, and uh, see how Alexa can help them live independently, uh, both in independently and uh, in care homes, as well as the Canadian National Institute for the Blind, where we've been in discussions. So there's really a lot of interests uh, out there and, and we're eager to, um, you know, make the best of Alexa to help people's lives. On to other news now. Neuralink, Elon Musk's company, is looking to start their first inhuman clinical trials. They're actively recruiting people who are quadriplegic due to spinal cord injury, or ALS, to take part in the study, which will implant an interface into the brain to hopefully bypass the injury and enable people with paralysis to control external devices with their thoughts. And finally, as we bring another big week in tech to a close, we look ahead to next week with more announcements coming from Meta and WordPress. MetaConnect VR will take place on Wednesday the 27th with a glimpse into what the company is doing in the metaverse space today, while WordPress will be holding its annual WordPress Accessibility Day on the 27th and 28th. Expect full coverage of all of this and more on next week's Double Tap. For now, though, that's the Double Tap News. I'm Andy Frank. Thank you, Andy. So uh, lots of discussion this week. And of course, as you heard from Andy there, of course, all the other big events coming up next week. I also want to, though, focus on what we've got coming up here on Express, because lots of exciting stuff still to come, including uh, my review of the Capsus Smart Vision 3. I actually recorded this in advance of doing it live on air. Uh, and I, I thought it would be terrible the way it turned out. It actually turned out okay. So I thought, actually, I'm going to use this. And also a bit later, we'll hear about uh, what might be one of the last talking dictation devices, the Olympus DM770. We've got Derry Lawler telling us all about that. But uh, back to this week on Double Tap. And we got an email from someone who uh, wanted to ask us a question. This voicemail actually came from Eric. Hi, this is Eric from New York City. The one sort of um, internet realm that I feel is really difficult for blind people is online dating. And I bring that up because even in large cities, it seems that's how most sighted people are meeting um, that special someone right now. But a lot of these apps like uh, Hinder and uh, Bumble and Hinge are so visually driven that it's almost pointless. I mean, the only thing, if I were going to use it, I would just swipe right on everyone and just see if anybody... um, Watch anybody likes me back, but that's kind of demoralizing, uh, disheartening. Yeah, totally. Totally understand that. Well, yeah. we put that out to the world and uh, we have been getting your feedback on this and we'll be uh, delving into that feedback next week on the show. But in between that, I thought you might want to hear a story about an app that's been created by a disabled person for disabled people to help engage more people in dating. Uh, especially in the disability community. And on a recent Double Tap TV episode, formerly, of course, uh, Double Tap TV, now Access Tech Live, Marco Flalo sat down with two people who did exactly that. My name's Jacqueline Child, and I'm the co-founder of Datability. And I am her sister, Alexa Child, and also the co-founder of Datability. This idea for Datability came from my horrible experiences dating on mainstream dating apps as a disabled and chronically ill woman. I 
would match with people, sometimes disclose my disability right away. Sometimes I would wait. But in the end, I was always met with rejection and even really ableist comments. Obviously, you have this pretty not great experience with with different dating apps uh, that are out there. What was the catalyst? What was the turning point? Was there a turning point that said, I got to do something to change this? And I have the power to do it because those are two very different things. Yeah, actually, it was so in October of 2021, Jacqueline made the decision to get a feeding tube placed in her abdomen. Um, That was a long decision that she had been putting off. But with the advice of her doctors, it was best for her and her long term health. And at that moment, I kind of panicked. She panicked because in Colorado, everything's very active. A lot of dates revolve around some kind of physical activity. And that's usually off the table for Jacqueline. And so they would go get dinner or drinks or coffee, something like that. And with a feeding tube, those dates are also different now and kind of off the table as well. Um, Or they just look different. And I kind of freaked out for her as to how able-bodied people would respond to that, you know, that she has a feeding tube, she gets her nutrients through a formula at night while she sleeps, eating causes vomiting shortly after, et cetera, et cetera. And it was at that time that I said, let's do this. Let's do this ourselves. Yeah. And we really had no experience. Um, With the help of our parents, we bootstrapped the, the basic product and we released it in October of 2022. And it was, it's been an incredible experience and something that has taken so much learning and causes a lot of stress. But, <laughs> you know, in the long run, it's going to be great. You know, there's a, there's a couple of interesting stories here. Obviously, there's there's the app itself and, of course, the target market there. But going through this process of trying to develop an app, let alone the fact that you did this in the middle of a global pandemic, right? So you're trying to get something out there when people aren't necessarily, the behaviors have changed. Did those come into play at all when you were thinking about how you're going to do this and and the success or the future success of it? Yeah, we actually thought that it's unfortunate that the pandemic happened and is happening. But at the same time, we think that it was the right time. There was a lot more conversation about accessibility, about people who are immunocompromised, disabled, high risk with regard to COVID. There was just more attention brought to it. Um, Unfortunately, we've seen the way the world, the majority of the world still treats those people, but there's more awareness. There are people who have long COVID who are now dealing with a whole new reality um, and who would probably find great companionship on dateability. And then at the same time, with the pandemic, people, I think, finally realize that dating apps are the future. Going out to bars and meeting somebody organically is less likely to happen because we're all taking these precautions. And that people are also more open to digital relationships and companionship because, you know, especially for a higher risk population, people are at home trying to be safe. You know, we experience that. We are both still very much isolated from a lot of other normal activities, pre-pandemic activities. And so we're open to having that companionship virtually. And I think we're not alone in that. Talk to me about the process of actually creating an app from from the ground up. What was that like? Because as you said, you didn't have experience doing it. Did you hire a third party? How how did that work out? We designed the app and every icon aspect page of the app ourselves. So we literally put pen to paper. Um, got a notebook and drew out what the page pages would look like. 
Then I took those and I drew the icons and then photoshopped things to look roughly like a dating app. And then we were able to find a developer and send them to them. And they put it into an application called Figma, which is a great design application. And they just made it that it really looks like it acts like an app. And they built it from there. And so we really, you know, it was from conception solely based on us and then an incredible tech team who built it. The day we decided to do this, I went to Office Depot, got a notebook, and went to Jacqueline's hospital room where she was recovering from the feeding tube surgery, and we drew everything out. <laughs> That's insane. You have to keep that notebook, right? That's somewhere hidden, right? Absolutely. Um, it's like the first dollar of a business or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, we, we talk about, obviously, designing for accessibility. And, um, you know, while our show does focus on low vision, there are so many types of disabilities out there. How do you even go about, and I'm sure that you're, you're, you're probably not even serving everybody that you could possibly think of just yet, and that's going to evolve over time. But how do you ensure or how do you get your mind around that kind of design philosophy? That was the most nerve-wracking part of designing it because, like you said, it's like I can speak for myself and my abilities. I cannot speak for anyone else. And there are such a range that, yeah, at some point you have to accept that you probably won't ever be able to accommodate every single person. But we want to accommodate the majority. And so with collaboration with our tech team, we were figuring out the best way to do things. So for your feed and your, your, the people who show up, you can either swipe or you can press a button. And we think that's really important to have both. Um, obviously we are like screen reader compliant and ADA compliant. Um, and we're, I mean, we're really always looking for ways to be more accessible. We love the feedback and unfortunately accessibility costs money to to do. And so it's a bummer that it has to be so expensive to make something accessible for so many people. But, you know, any feedback that we get, we try to, to, um, implement and we actually haven't really received any criticism about the accessibility. In addition to having the app on smartphones, we have a web app version. So, and that makes us different from all the other mainstream dating apps that we you can go on to databilityapp.com and it's pretty much exactly the same as the smartphone app and that allows you know it's more access, it makes it more accessible for our users and we thought that that was really important and that's something that yeah not many apps you know besides match.com and those older apps all the new apps are usually just smartphone capable were there features that you you used on other apps that you said, I need to either copy this or I need to do this better? And what were some of those? We, we liked the option of having a swipe and um, a button op- option to either like or dislike someone. And we, you know, there's... There's a couple things, you know, we wanted it to make sure that you can select like multiple, pre- like preferences and your sexual orientation. So if you're interested in both non-binary and women, you can click, but you can choose both. And so we wanted to make it accessible that way. I think the apps from my experience alone have done a pretty good job at being accessible. Um, But the web application was the biggest thing that we really wanted to include because we know that so many people 
just prefer their desktop or and desktops typically have more accessibility capabilities. And in addition, we our app has a profile section called Datability Deets. And this is why we believe that the mainstream dating apps would never really be able to do what we're doing because it just won't work um, for a number of reasons. But Datability Deets is an extensive list of broad terms used to describe one's situation. So immunocompromised or wheelchair user, food allergy, no diagnoses. It is completely optional. We want everyone to feel comfortable. But it goes on your profile under basic information. Just as a neutral fact, we want to destigmatize disability and chronic illness. And it also will help reduce the anxiety one may feel when having to disclose, you know, what they're going through or what their capabilities are, limitations. It's just out there, normal, in a safe, judgment-free place. One of the things I've learned over over time was when you're trying to market to a disabled community, um, there's not much out there that let you do that. And that's because of privacy and protection, right? So they don't want to collect that information because then people could use that negatively. Um, how do you challenge that? Because you are collecting and creating a database of disabled people. Yeah, at this time, we're not selling or sharing any data. And so we, you know, everyone's data is safe with us. And of course, like our servers are very secure. Our tech team has the highest certificate of cybersecurity. And so at this point, our users don't have to worry about our data. But if we were ever to expand into data collection, we would be the most compliant and very picky about who we, yes, um, you know, we're not in that business of other social networking apps that sell our data for nefarious reasons, that would not be our intention at all. Um, but yeah, right now everything is safe and secure. And that's, that is one reason why we do not include diagnoses. Um, we, you know, if the person wants to include that in their bio or there's a type in option in datability deeds, that's totally their choice. But we think that having somebody put their medical diagnoses on there or having us like promote or encourage that can muddy the privacy waters. Uh, how do you market that then at the same time? Because you obviously want to market to that community. What challenges have you had, if you've had any challenges, of, of getting the word out? We've been really relying on press and word of mouth to market. And um, I know that those have been our most successful. We've been going on podcasts and doing, you know, some press tours. And I think that is just the way to market and get the word out. Yeah, we're, you know, currently looking for influencers in the disability and chronic illness world to help with a larger following to help spread the word. I mean, I hear about most of things from Instagram. Um, and we're, you know, the, I think the one thing that we run into is that right now we're looking for, we're in, currently in the investment process in seeking investments. And a lot of people we talk to are able-bodied and to try to convince them that this app is necessary is difficult because they don't understand. Um, and so that's like the one thing I think we've come run into is just trying to say that the disability community wants this, they deserve this. Um, and we, you know, those naysayers, they don't just don't know what it's like. Okay, you don't want those people anyway. Like those are the people that you don't want involved at the end of the day. I mean, yeah. it's nice to have the money, but it'd be better if it came from a genuine place. Um, right. Talk to me about the user base. What has feedback been? What has the reaction been from people who are using the app? The feedback's been great. Um, you know, people are really excited to learn about it. Everyone, 
almost everyone says like, I've been looking for something like this. Um, it's so needed. And we, we feel like we have a really solid user base. We've, we're over 2,500 users. Um, our location setting is turned off, which, you know, some people like, but some people don't, but we feel like it's the best decision for our user base because like Alexa mentioned, people are open to virtual companionship and, also, we don't want someone to sign on and not see anyone in their area. So we like that feature. But yeah, we've had great feedback. Um, we, we, love, we love all feedback and we're open to feedback. Um, and we just are hoping to grow and improve and give everyone the dating app that they deserve and that they want to use. I think the one challenge we've also run into, to be completely candid, is that you know tech is always evolving. There are bugs and glitches and there's no, you know, error, error on the code. Like we don't know until somebody runs into that issue. And I think a lot of people forget what Bumble and Tinder and Hinge were like, or Facebook when they first launched, you know, we have like, where this is the baseline and we have a pretty solid baseline, but we do deal with people who are frustrated that there's one minor bug or glitch and they get upset. And so we are, we do the customer service and we troubleshoot. We're always open to troubleshooting and fixing the bugs. Um, but we want to remind people that right now this is the first version of the product. And in five years from now, it's gonna it will be like a Bumble, Hinge, Tinder. Although they still have bugs. In 2016, Tinder deleted everyone's matches with an, yeah. <laughs> with an update. So it still happens. But um, that's like the one thing that we've run into um, that people get frustrated and we're just, we're trying our best because <laughs> we really do care. Do you find it, do you find it overwhelming because you're, you're new business owners, your startup, your customer service, your designers, your everything. Um, I guarantee, or I can, I can pretty guess that when you hang up with this interview, for example, you're going to be like, oh, okay, another one done. But <laughs> I'm sure that's a, it's a mix of overwhelming, but also um, a positive feeling, right? Yeah, it's really rewarding and overwhelming. And I think for me personally, the hardest part about doing this is doing it while chronically ill and disabled. Um, I'm managing my health, I'm managing my symptoms, and I'm managing this business from all aspects. And so it can be really difficult to listen to my body and know when I need to stop. And yeah, just it's it's hard doing it disabled. Have you uh, found any matches on the app yourself? I know I have been matching with a few people. Um, it's entrepreneurship has proven to be very time consuming. <laughs> yes, but, it yeah, is. There, it's ironic, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> but every day when I when we go on, we see new people, and it's the best feeling. So, for those uh, who are just discovering this for the first time now on this show, um, where can we point them to find out everything they need to know about datability? You can go to info.databilityapp.com to get some more information about the app. You can sign up via Apple App Store or Android or databilityapp.com, and you can follow us on social media channels. We On Instagram, we are at databilityapp. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Um, you have to come back and keep me updated with the story. I want to know what's going on in six months from now, in a year from now. We're happy to kind of share the message out there, and uh, congratulations on all the success so far. Thank, thank you. you so much. A very interesting app for sure. Uh, go check it out. It seems to be US and Canada only at the moment. Hopefully it will appear outside of uh, those countries 
soon. But thank you to Mark for that. And don't forget Mark and I on Access Tech Live every Thursday noon Eastern on AMI-tv with Access Tech Live. Coming up, my review of the Capsis Smart Vision 3 and listener Derry Lawler on the Olympus DM770. This is The Express. Call the Double Tappers now. 1-877-803-4567 or email us. Feedback at doubletaponair.com Okay, so here I am with the Smart Vision 3 mobile phone and uh, the review that you've all been waiting for. Uh, I hope it lives up to your expectations. Uh, so this is the premium version, okay? So there are two versions. There's the standard version, and then there's the premium version, and it's kind of named differently in different parts of the world. Uh, here, because I got this directly from the company Capsis, uh, this is called the Omni which I guess is is the premium name, um, so in France at least. So inside the box, when you open it up, uh, and I have actually taken the phone out already because I've been using it, but I'll show you the boxes that are actually in here. So you get three boxes inside, three boxes inside the big box. One of them, of course, contains the phone itself. You'll hear some bits uh, rolling around in there. You've got the phone, of course, which was in there originally. If I open it up, you've also got the charger. Uh, we've also got one of those little... There's little pins that you get, you know, those little kind of paper clippy things that help you get the SIM card tray open. Yep, it's got a SIM card tray. Um, and it's also got some earphones in there. So is that earphones as well? I think it is. Yeah, it's got some earphones in there with a 3.5 mil jack. Oh, yeah, it gives us, that gives something away, doesn't it? Uh, okay, so that's one box. Um, and then you've got that nice little material where the phone sits. Put that to one side. You then have an accessory or two accessory boxes. One is actually the case. It comes with a silicone case when you buy the premium. And a lanyard! Always a lanyard. So, yep, lanyard. And also in here, like I say, you've got this little silicone case, which I haven't put around it yet, but possibly I should. So I'll, I'll leave that out. Um, so I'll put all that back in the box just so I know where it is. I'm going to put the lanyard back in the box. I haven't quite decided if I'm going to lanyard it up yet, but uh, we'll see. Uh, and then in the next box is the wireless charger. So this is the wireless charger that has been designed for this phone. Uh, it could potentially work with other Android phones, but I think it would have to be quite specific. Uh, this has been designed, uh, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about this in a moment because there's some unique designs about this, which is intended for easier use by blind and low vision people. So we'll get to that. Obviously, it comes with the USB-C on one end and a USB-A, so standard USB on the other. So I'll move that to the side for now, and I will pick up the Capsis Smart Vision 3 phone. So first impressions when I pick it up, wow, it's light. I mean, I've got my iPhone 14 Pro sitting here, and my wife, she didn't feel much of a difference in weight. I feel a difference. I think it's a much lighter phone overall. Uh, it doesn't obviously have the case on it, but then the case is one of those silicon type cases. So it's very light in itself. So you probably won't add much weight to it with that. On the device, so what I'm looking at here is essentially half a screen on an Android phone. Uh, the other half of the screen being taken up by a keypad. Now that keypad has your traditional one to nine T9 keypad design. That's what they call that, where the keys are laid literally one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, a zero key, a star key, and a hash key as well, or a pound key, depending on where you are in the world. Uh, above that keypad, you have a number of cursor buttons, an up, down, left, right, a select button in the middle, 
And then to the left of that, there are two buttons. And to the right of those cursors, another two buttons. So uh, essentially, you have two buttons on the left, then your cursor set with the select button in the middle, and then two buttons to the right of that. And above that, the screen for the Android phone. It is a touch screen, and this is a Google certified phone. So that means that this will run all Google apps, which of course was the kind of draw for me on this, right? I then didn't have to wait for a specific or special version of the app to be made available for the phone. I could just go off and get the one I wanted. Uh, okay, so around the sides, uh, nothing much that I can find on the left side. That's, I don't know what that is. It's a bit of an indent on the left. It might actually, do you know what it probably is? Because I haven't put a SIM card in here. It's probably the SIM card tray. That's probably what that is. Along the top, uh, you've got a 3.5 inch, um, is it 3.5 inch? No, it's 3.5 mil, isn't it? Headphone jack. <sighs> so nice to have that back. Uh, as well as that, you've got a power button, which when you're turning on, you would hold down and you get a nice little noise to wake it up. Uh, if it's in sleep mode, you just press it once and it will come back to life. Uh, down the right-hand side, you've got uh, three buttons. One's quite a rough button. The first button you'll come to as you come down the phone, it's quite a rough-edged button. Uh, that is your assistant button, so you can use that for Google Assistant, but you could also use it in dictation fields as well, and we'll talk a bit about that. And then further down, you've got the uh, up-down volume keys. So that is the device. There is a USB-C slot at the bottom for charging. You do obviously get the wireless charger, but that's only if you buy the premium version. If you don't buy the premium version, you won't get that wireless charger, hence where the USB cable comes in. And it should be said that any wireless charger will work with this. You don't have to have the specific one, but there are reasons why you might want that one. So we'll get to that. So let's uh, power it up and let's, uh, it's already turned on. So I'll just press the button at the top. 10.09, no SIM card. Battery yeah, level, charging at 87%. Okay, it's charging up. Actually, that's not bad. I had it on only a few minutes ago. It was at 56% and it's charging up quite quick. Screen off. Oh, let's just turn the screen off. Right, let me turn it back on. 10.09. So what I now do is, and this is something I actually didn't mention, the back of the device, and I keep forgetting about this, uh, because on the back of the device, you've got a fingerprint sensor. Uh, and as well as that, the camera bump you'll feel as well, which is like a little rectangle on the back right there's a camera in here on the back and also on the front as well for those uh, Skype calls or if you're using Google Duo or WhatsApp video calls, you'll get all that on there as well. So shall we uh, wake it up then? I'll just hold the finger on the fingerprint sensor. Device unlocked. Battery level. Charging at 88%. And we're in. So uh, now I'm going to use the cursor keys and I'm just going to show you around a little bit. So I'll hit the arrow key down and this is always the best way to start. Just hit the arrow key down no matter where you are. It's a good place to start. 10.11, Wednesday the 20th of September, selected. So that's the time and date. And then I'll arrow down. Applications. And we're on the applications link. Contacts. Contacts. Telephone. Telephone. Messages. Messages. And that's us at the bottom of the list. And that's it. Everything's presented to you in very simple list form. So let's go up to uh, applications, okay? Contacts. Applications. So what I'll do now is I'll hit the select button. Agenda selected. So agenda is one. And there are a lot of specialist apps, or not so much specialist, but apps that have been created, shall we say, for this device. And they've been built into this. And I think the important thing to note here is we're not looking at a standard Android phone layout. We're not looking at a bunch of icons. We're not looking at, you know, rows and rows of icons. We're looking at a list of icons. And I have to say that immediately interests me because what they've done here is they've clearly built a launcher for this device 
that just makes it so simple to navigate. I am literally just using up and down. That's all I'm using, up, down, and select. So let's arrow down, see what else is in here. Application updates. Assistant. Banknote recognizer. That's a specialist one, okay. Bing. Oh, Bing's in there, right. Book reader. Now, that's a specialist one. I say specialist only because it's uh, you know not going to show up on every single home screen of a new Android phone, right? Calculator. Okay. Calendar. Calendar. Camera. Chrome. Clock. You're getting the idea. Colors detection. Contacts. Drive. Duo. Files. FM radio. Yeah, it's got FM radio in there as well. Gmail, Although, 386 notifications. <laughs> That's a lot of Gmail emails. I really must clear that out. Uh, but yeah, FM radio, you'll have to plug in the 3.5mm headphones for that to work, just so you know. Google Play Movies and TV. Captain. Okay, so you're getting the idea of how this works. Now, there are also other buttons here. I mentioned the cursor keys. I mentioned the select. And then to the left and right of those cursors, there are two buttons, one on top of the other. So if I go to the top left of those buttons... And uh, obviously being mindful I don't touch the screen while I'm doing this, uh, I'll press that button once and see what happens. Home screen. Application. So that takes me back to the home screen. That's like your go back to start button, okay? Uh, below that, what does that do? Quick settings. Quick so settings. Selected. This opens up almost like a right-click context menu. So you get quick settings. Notifications. Recent applications. Settings. Capsies accessibility. Talkback accessibility. Okay, cool. So that is as simple as that, right? And there's a back button, which is the one to the right of the cursor keys on the top of the two. Wednesday, the 20th of September. And that takes me Home back screen. to where I was, okay? Applications. So that gives you an idea of how the buttons work. Now, obviously, when it comes to moving around your device, you want to move around swiftly. I mean, yes, you can arrow up and down day and night, but, you know, sometimes you might want to just quickly get to an app, for example, and just open it up. So there's a cool way you can do that using the capses. So I will uh, press on the select button because I'm on, I'll just check if I'm on applications. Let's see. Applications. I am. So I've just arrow down and up. So I'm on applications. I'll press select. Applications. Agenda. Select. So I'm on agenda. Now let's say I wanted to open up um, WhatsApp. I'll hit number nine. Web radio. And that's taking me to W. WhatsApp. And if I arrow down once, that gives me, w. Yep, there's only two apps on there. Uh, and What's it says that? W if I arrow down again. Now, the reason for that is because when you hit number nine, that is actioning the T9 keypad. And number nine is where W is. So once you learn how the one to nine works in terms of letters and navigation, you can very quickly move around the screen. So by pressing W or nine to get me to that section, it's showing me all the apps that contain or start with the letter W. In this case, it's web radio and WhatsApp. Let me show you uh, how the text field works and how you can dictate using that side button I was mentioning earlier. So if I go into applications, applications. again, applications. and this time I'm going to hit two Agenda. twice to get Selected. to B. A. Banknote recognizer. Okay, it was a bit slow to say B, but there we are. But it got to banknote recognizer. Bing. Bing. There we go. So uh, let's go into Bing. Bing. Select. Ask me anything. Like. Dislike. Okay, um, so I'm going to arrow down. By continuing, you're accepting our and terms again. of... Okay, and I'll go back ask up. Ask me anything. Okay, ask me anything. Right, let's like that. Profile. Chat with AI and GP. Bing. Unlabeled. Use microphone. Permission request. Lottie animation. Allow Bing to access this device's location. Button. While using the app. Yeah, let's do that. While using the app. 
Bing. Web view. So here I am, and I know that the Bing search field is near the bottom of the screen, so I'm just going to arrow down. Graphic. Bing logo. Heading to your AI-powered copilot for the web. I want to find the Use search GPT-4. field. Switch. On. Okay, it's using GPT-4. Some ideas to get you started. Button. What's the next trend in fashion and where should I shop to find it? <laughs> like Button. I'm ask that. What should I pack for okay, it? Okay, hang on. Button. Let's keep going through. Right. To ask more questions and have longer conversations. Okay, Button. Stop. New topic. Let's. Button. A lot in the way here. Button. New topic. Oh, okay. Edit box. There it is. Ask Bing. Ask me anything. So I'm going to select Detected. that Text. Uh, box. Ask me anything. Edit box. Editing. Selected. And what that showing does is... Showing keyboard. It, there you go. It says showing Capsi's keyboard. Now that allows me to type with the keypad and I can use the T9 keypad or I can press that rather rough button on the top right side of the device and dictate. So let me ask a question. Tell me more about the Double Tap podcast from AMI in Canada. Tell me more about the Double Tap podcast from Amy in Canada. Close enough. So I'm going to hit the select button, which is top left, to insert that text in. Ask Bing, ask me anything. Okay, so now I'm going to arrow down. Button. Add an image to search. Nope, don't want to do that. Button. Submit. Submit. Okay, so let's see but what web happens. Web view. Lottie animation. Searching for Double Tap podcast from Amy in Canada. Amy. Well. <laughs> Generating answers for you. Okay. No, it's not reading anything. So let me just arrow down. Close. Button. More. Graphic. Head. Web view. Button. The good thing about this app is everything's in one big list. So let's see. Oh, yeah. Keep arrowing down. Tell me more about so the Double question. Tap podcast from Amy. Searching for. Okay. Searching for. Generating answers for okay. you. Generating answers for you. The Double Tap Podcast is a show where blind people talk tech. There you go. It is hosted by Stephen Scott and Sean Priest, well who are both visually impaired and have a passion for technology. Well, yeah. They discuss news, reviews, and tech stories of interest to the disability community daily at noon ET on Accessible oh. Media Inc. Oh, they got it right. Amy One. You can listen to their recent <sighs> episodes on their website One. Amy One are on Apple Podcasts too. You can listen to their recent episodes on their website One. We've got website. Some of the topics they have covered include the Apple event, accessible YouTube, screen recording, Lego <laughs> okay, Braille All right, all right, you, all right you've, sold me. you've sold me on the eye. Link. All right, it's brilliant. Full stop. Uh, okay, I'm going to hit home. Um, home screen. Applications. So in conclusion, what's my final thoughts on this thing? I think it's a good little phone. I think the MediaTek P70 processor in there is good enough for the job. I think if you're starting out with this device, this is your first experience of Android or indeed a touchscreen smartphone, this will be good for you and you will have a good experience with it. Now, is there a question mark around longer term experience? I think so. I think that this is something that Capsis really need to listen to. Is there perhaps a market for a mid-level version of this with a higher, more modern processor? Not one that came out in 2019, but something a little bit more modern, maybe a bit more RAM in there. It runs four gig of RAM at the moment, maybe up to six or even eight. That may help some of the work that you might want to do on this device. I'm not saying it's slow. It's not. It's not sluggish either. I've 
experienced sluggish Android phones before. This isn't one of them. This is a, I would call a, an entry-level Android phone. And I think it's good for that. I just question whether or not there's perhaps an option for a mid or even higher level tier for those of us who might consider moving across to a device like this, but actually just don't find it powerful enough. Don't find it comparable to a high-end Google Pixel or a Samsung. And, you know, I'm not comparing these two because they're not, Maybe we should have the option to compare that. And the only way we get there is for companies like Capsis to develop something like this. But is there a market for that? And that's a debate for our community. I also want to quickly mention one thing which I I didn't get to just there in the review is the wireless charger. Now, the wireless charger that comes with this is a a flat device. So it sits on the table. It's got uh, rubber feet on it, so it stays in place. It has a, a sort of rubber mat inside as well so you know and quite well ridged as well so you know that that is the charging pad uh it is flat but you have raised edges around the edge of each uh, corner and that gives you the ability to put the phone in and it will just automatically seat itself so that you can sit the phone in there and it will be charged of course we all know the challenges when it comes to trying to use wireless uh, flat especially wireless charging pads uh, just one move and the phone is no longer charging. And that's useless when you're heading out for the day or, you know, wanting to make sure your phone is charged up for that important meeting you're about to sit in on. So I think that this is a fantastic design. I am so glad they brought this out. And I think this might be the star of the whole thing, to be perfectly honest. And I hope this is something other manufacturers take on. But overall, I think this is a good little device. If you're starting out in the world of Android, if you're wanting to dip your toes into the world of touchscreen, this is the device for you because you can actually disable the touchscreen. You can disable it entirely and just use the keypad. I've done that on this one. Disabled it entirely. But if I want the touchscreen, I can enable it and I can explore by touch in the way I would with any other Android device. And I think that's absolutely fantastic because it gives you the ability to learn and grow with your phone. I just wish they had a higher level tier option in terms of processor, because I think if we're moving up as we grow with these devices, we're going to realize very quickly that it's not going to run all the apps in the way we expect. It's not going to give us all the support we might want. Although if you're buying this to send messages, if you're buying it to send an email, if you're buying it to watch Netflix, if you're buying it to listen to Audible books, It's going to do all that and more. Maybe that's enough. You need to tell me. What do you think? It's a debate worth having. Email feedback at doubletaponair.com, 1877-803-4567. Yeah, and please do get in touch. Very interesting there, the Smart Vision 3. But now we're going to talk dictaphones and possibly the last one on planet Earth. Well, maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit. Here's Derry Lawler with the DM770. Hello, my name is Derry Lawler and today I'm going to do a quick demonstration of my new digital voice recorder called Olympus DM770. So first I'm going to do a description of the device and uh, I just got this device last Friday or so. So it weighs 72 grams, it's quite a small device, tidy, fits in the palm of your hand, short pocket, trouser pocket or your handbag if you, if you have one. So let me give you a, demonstra- a description of the device. So on the front face, you've got a nice big digital screen. Uh, at the very top, you've got your two, three microphones, your left, your right, and your center microphone. Then below that, you've got your big display. 
And below that you have three buttons. F1, which is the folder button, so you press that to get your folder A, B, C, D, so on. Your center button, which is your menu button, and your right button, which is your F2 button. And the F2 button is uh, puts markings in your recordings. Below that, there's two circular buttons. On the left is stop, and on the right is record. So quite simple. And when you press record, it just records. And if you hit it again, it pauses recording. And below that, you've got your circle. Plus, minus, left and right, and in the center, OK. Below that, left, you've got your erase, and to the right, you've got list. Not sure what that does yet. On the right-hand side, you've got two uh, small micro, two small headphone sockets. The top one is for headphones, and the bottom one is for your microphone. On your left side, you've got two switches. The bottom one, which you flick down, sticks out a, a USB key effect kind of thing, so you can plug it into your device, and it locks in place pretty tightly. And the top one is hold or power on off. So I have taken the battery out, and uh, uh, so so we don't know what it is. So then on the back then, you have one button. It's a recess button. You press it in and it slides out the battery compartment. So let's put the battery in. <clears throat> it's a AAA battery I'm using. Small little battery. You know the usual ones. Uh, make sure it's the right positive negative. And put it in. And um, that's it's in there. And I'm going to turn it on. So you hear that tone, and you have to do Select to match the battery you are using by <coughs> using plus minus by nickel metal alkaline battery. This is just a regular battery, it's not a rechargeable battery. Alkaline battery set. Please set the time and date. So, eight, uh, seven, eight, nine, so it's nine o'clock. Set minute. Um, yeah, that's about right. Let's see what time it is here. Zero nine thirty-eight. Um, Fifty-four. 53 It's 38 43 40 42 39 30 set date 16 7 set month July set year 2023 17 July 2023 9 38 Please select necessity of voice off on So select a voice because you want it off or on so you obviously want it on On set Battery level high <coughs> Yeah at the Switched moment to the internal memory. At the moment I'm using the internal but I want to use my micro no SD card file. So it's back where the battery is and um, it's a tiny little slot to the right Switched to the micro SD card So that's in now term memory uh, or the the SD card memory so I'm going to go into my menus Record menu. I want to make sure that's recording scene setting. Manual. I want to go manual. Recording level setting. Mm. Auto. High. Suited for recording lectures, large conferences, and other applications. Middle. Suited for recording discussions and small group meetings. Low. Suited for dictation. Go um, high. Go high. High set. Recording mode setting. MP3 mode. Yeah, I want the MP3. See, we can have trade that. One hundred twenty-eight. Yeah, one hundred twenty-eight kilo BPM. Zoom mic setting. Okay, is the mic setting off? 
Zoom one. Zoom two. Zoom three. Zoom four. Mm. Off. Wide one. Wide two. Let's do wide two. Wide two set. Low cut filter setting. On. Yeah. Off. On. Rerun. On set. So I'm going to try test recording. Hello, my name is Derry Lawler. You can hear that's quite actually feedback, so I'm going to hit stop. So let's hit play. Hello, my name is Derry Lawler. You can hear that's quite actually feedback, so I'm going to To connect it to you, pull down the switch, I've seen the second switch, so it's down all the way, and then you can plug it into your computer and see if that works. Thank you to Derry Lawler. John, I cannot believe that's another week of the show done. I know. But then we've got next week. We're never ending. <laughs> hey! It feels that way, doesn't it? But do you know what? I'm having the time of my life doing this. Uh, there's so much great news to share. And you know, I just want to say as well, you know, what an amazing week for accessibility at two major events. I know I said it earlier, but I'm saying it again, Sean Priest. Why not? Because, there's nothing you know, wrong with that. Here we had two major companies centre stage focusing on accessibility at their main events. I think this was absolutely fantastic and a great week. Not just talking about it, not just saying, hey, you know what, we support disabled people, but adding features that really do make a difference and make an impact to the disability community. So fantastic work by Amazon and Microsoft this week. Uh, Coming up next week, of course, MetaConnect, WordPress Accessibility Day, loads more to talk about, and your feedback. Keep it coming. Sean, thanks a lot. We'll catch you Monday. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.